0: All right, good morning, everyone. It is a blessing to be with all of this morning. Uh, I hope you didn't get too comfortable because I have an activity for you. Um, I need everybody to stand up on your feet. Here's what I need you to do. I'm going to ask you a question, and if the answer is yes, I want you to go on this side. If the answer is no, I want you to go on this side. Okay. So here's yes on your right, no on your left. So here's my question Is technology a good thing or a bad thing? Good thing, bad thing. Is technology a good thing or a bad thing? Go. Everybody in the middle. Y'all middle people need to decide. You got to go somewhere. No middles. This is, this is binary. It's a good or a bad question. Technology is good. Technology is bad. Good, bad. Okay. So here's where we're going to go this morning. Ryan, do you mind passing these out for me? And right here, I'll give you some for that side. Dan, can you pass out to that side? Uh, here's where I want to go this morning. Today is our last class in the talking point series, which talking points, they're a bunch of issues that are, are culturally relevant. They're trying to, uh, how do we understand these, these topics through a biblical worldview? So today we're going to be talking about technology. And I know I asked you a question that's, that's relatively unfair. Um, is technology a good thing or is it a bad thing? Um, but I want to at least get, our, get our minds thinking and moving a little bit, uh, what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about uh, what is technology, and we've kind of already hit on this a little bit, um, how does scripture speak about technology, and then a couple uh, things for, for us to think about and possibly things that, that will be changing um, in our behaviors and our thoughts and our actions. So uh, first, at that first point up there, is technology a good thing or a bad thing? Um, most of you went to the good side. Um, technology is not like a technology isn't a good thing or a bad thing. It's, it's a reflection of our creativity, which I'm, I'm jumping down to my biblical theological thoughts, but uh, c- technology is a reflection of the creativity that God created us in in his image. So because we are image bearers, we are creative and we create stuff. So technology isn't inherently a good thing or a bad thing. Is your iPhone a good thing or a bad thing? Is that is that sword a good thing or a bad thing? Is that that bomb, a good thing or a bad thing. It, it, we, we can't just say technology is good or bad. And here, let me give you uh, a quick, how does our culture view technology? There are two extremes, and I think we need to avoid these. Uh, first, uh, has anyone ever heard of a techno-futurist? <coughs> Youths? Jim, you've heard of techno-futurism? Uh, anyone else? Techno-futurism? Damn. So uh, I had, I was talking with a young man once, and he said to me, you know, I'm, I'm a techno-futurist. This is, this is my, uh, my belief system. This is what I, I put my, my, my hope in. And I said, what's that? And he said that technology, we're going to become so advanced that our technological advancement is going to get to a level where there's going to be no more poverty. There's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more uh, famine. But instead, we're going to have the technological advancements that it's going to fix all that's wrong in this world. Probably too far. Technofuturism—they put their hope in, in technology to save us, not anything else. And then let me give you another uh, another example on the other end of the spectrum. I was going to use the Amish, but the Amish—we um, lived in in outside of Lancaster, Pennsylvania for a while, and uh, the Amish are, are are really cool, but they're also like—is that a, a right Christian response? I don't really want to go there, but I do want to look at maybe uh, our, our hipster friends who are all about things like. Uh, artisanal butter, and and hand-churned butter, not, not, the, not the mass-produced stuff, or perhaps um, going on a, a hike, a through hike of the Appalachian Trail, or uh, the Pacific uh, Pacific Coast Trail, Pacific Crest Trail. Um, thank you. We have uh, friends, unbelievers, who they're looking at technology, and they're saying, I need a break. I need to get away from this technology, and we need to go back to the way, things that, the way that things were. I mean, we're not going back to like the beginning, Adam and Eve in a garden naked, but we are saying that, you know, maybe this uh, hand stretched, hand rolled pasta is better than the box stuff that I get at the store. They're saying there's something better about this, that technology, it, it, it screws it up. Technology screws up the pasta making process. We're losing something essential here. Okay, we get chuckles from that. So our culture views technology often as technology is our, a good thing and it's a great thing and it's our savior or technology is a bad thing and it's an evil thing and look at what it's done to us. We need to go back to the past. I'm going, I'm going to go live in pioneer days. Pioneers still had technology. It's crazy. So we need to find somewhere in, in the middle there and how does scripture speak about technology? So today's lesson is going to be pretty synthetic. Um, I want to try to, to nutshell uh, what scripture says about technology, and really in one specific facet of technology. And then I want to look at some implications. I've given you lots of verses, lots of references that I put down there uh, that will be hopefully helpful for you. And I'd encourage you to take a look at those as you want to dive more into this topic. But there are some, some themes that appear as we're talking about. Oh, thank you, Stan. As we're talking about technology, um, I wrote down uh, creativity. Um, dominion and in Genesis chapter one, um, God says that, that he gave us dominion over the earth. Does it look like dominion to, to have a tractor that, that tills your field rather than you doing it by hand or however it used to be done? Uh, creativity, dominion, flourishing. It, it's a good thing that we have medical technology that when we get sick, we can, we can go and find help. Uh, I heard someone the other day, they, they had a robot do surgery on them. That's pretty amazing that we have the, the technological advancements to have robots be able to, to, to do surgeries in less invasive ways to speed up recovery. That, that, that is a blessing and a good gift from God. So let's look at the, uh, the nutshell that I have for you. I've got a couple points there. Let me read through these. Technology ultimately comes from God and is a reflection of his creativity in us. You have been created in the image of God. God created all that we see, everything that's around us. And when we create, we are a living, breathing picture of God and his creativity. When we paint a picture, when we write a, a program, if that's a thing, when, we, uh, when, when we're making things, that's a reflection of the creativity that God used, that God exhibited when he created us. So that's the first point. Second, Technology can be used to glorify God in, in our context, it, it's used to spread the gospel and it helps us to, to live as distinct and holy people. I have the Bible on my phone. I have audio Bible on my phone. I have a bunch of notifications about pray, praying for Anna Caroline right now, that, that I can be praying for her, even though I'm not in the room. I can be praying for, for the Jordans, for the Mercers, for the Robertsons. I can be praying for their family because I'm getting these on, on, on a text message. Technology helps us to live like Christ, and that is a good thing. That is a blessing from God. Praise Him for that. Third point, the fall has perverted our use of technology. When God created, everything was good, but now we see examples of of technology going awry. Technology is no longer used to glorify God, but it's used to indulge our sin and our sinful desires. I'm guessing I don't need to give examples there. We, we get it. The fall has perverted the use of technology. By the grace of God, and this is where the cross comes in, we are, not, we are no longer enslaved to technology, but by the grace of God, we can discerningly use technology in a sanctified way. So even in our discussion, one of my goals is to help you think and help you hopefully act differently when you're thinking about technology, whether that's your phone or a cooking implement or uh, that tool in the backyard, but that we're thinking differently about technology. Hopefully it will help us to use that technology in, in a way that glorifies God once again. And then finally, here is, here's what we hope for. When Christ returns, we will work and create perfectly without sin. So back to the question I asked you guys when we started, is technology a good or a bad thing? And one day we will be able to say technology is a good thing. Technology has become good again like everything else. God has redeemed and restored all that is good. So Nick and I were talking about this, and uh, Andy Crouch, who wrote a a great book um, called The TechWise Family, um, that I'd encourage you to check out, kind of walking through some practical steps of how does technology fit within, the, within your life. He says that in the end, when Christ returns, when in, in glory, in the new heavens and the new earth, everything that we will have today, everything that we have today, our, our phones, our cars, will have those things, but in a perfect, sanctified, holy way. Am I, am I getting that correct? Yeah, he, he talks yeah. about just the, the good fruits of, of yeah. man's efforts will be part of the new city. Yeah. Because he, he talks about the new city and what that, it's not going to be some ethereal existence. Yeah. So we're actually going to be like living and, and, and moving and doing stuff in heaven. Well, in the new heaven and the new earth. Um, we're not going to be like just like ghosts in a, I don't know. Um, we're, we're actually going to be working. Like how crazy is that? That we're going to be working and eating in heaven. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but we're going to be working and eating in heaven. Uh, And his point is, if we're working and eating, then then there's technology there. And that technology is being used. So I'm not going to go so far as to say that you're going to have a a holy iPhone. Um, I can't imagine what that would look like. Um, However, um, (laughs) 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 I can't imagine what a holy iPhone would look like. I can't imagine uh, what a car would look like in heaven. Um, But... uh, we will have technology. We'll have things that, that, we, that we make and that, that we use on a daily basis. I think we're, we're definitely going to have instruments there. We're going to have ways to cook stuff. We're going to have things that are going to be good. They're going to be free from the stain of sin. And that's what we look forward to. We look forward to a day when all those wrongs will be made right. If you were in the sermon at, at, at the first service this morning, we look forward to that day when God rights all those wrongs. So let me uh, jump down to my next point. That's kind of my biblical theological nutshell. Um, there are other facets that we could have taken. If we're looking at, let's say, um, human flourishing, that might have looked a little bit differently. That God created technology, God created us with the desire to flourish and for things to, to be better. Everything is supposed to be better, but the fall has perverted that. The technology is now used to oppress and to, to enslave people. But Christ has broken us free from that, and one day technology won't be used as, as a form of injustice in this world. So depending on the theme that we look at, we might explore a different dimension. But I want to look at that, that creativity specifically. Do we have any questions at this point? I know I moved fast there, and I, la- I gave you guys a lot of references for you to go back. But I want to move forward. Yeah. Uh, Techwise Family uh, by Andy Crouch. That's a good one. And Tony Renke wrote a book, 12 Ways That Your Phone Is Changing You. I would also highly recommend that because that's more, um, it it exposes some of the subtleties of uh, how technology is influencing us in ways that we didn't even realize, which we're going to get to in the next step. Scott? How are you defining technology? I don't know. There's like a billion definitions for technology. I just brought our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of technology as things that, 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 that we use to make things easier, faster, or more. Things that we use to make life easier, faster, or more. So that could include the sword to defeat your enemies using the spear. That could include uh, your phone. That could include the farming implements that you use. That could include a lot of different things. So that, that's a broad definition there. Um, I'm generally thinking more of things right now rather than general, like, advancements. Yeah. So I'm generally thinking about things. And in our context, in our culture, I'm specifically speaking about um, this is what I'm thinking about most. So I'm thinking about our phones because uh, I I would bet my bottom that most of you are on your phones for more than an hour a day. So my next four points are going to they're going to work that out a little bit. Uh, I found it harder to find examples of people who are more skeptical of technology in our culture. The Amish were one, but they've kind of got like, are, are they really Christians in that way? And I, I not want to get into that debate. And then the other was um, like our hipsters who are, are doing like hand churn butter. Um, it's harder to find examples of people who are skeptical of technology. They're, they're out there. But most people are, are techno-futurist, te- uh, techno-utopianism. Those things are like on the rise big time. So as Christians, we should absolutely be skeptical. And uh, let, me, let me bring that out in the next couple of points. So the next section I have in, in our notes is getting to the heart. And these are really two cautions um, that hopefully will we'll say something that if we're going to accept let me uh, raise your hand if you're already planning on getting the new iPhone or the new Pixel or the new Android, G- Google, Home, whatever it is. Th- is anyone planning on getting the new one that's coming out? You guys? It really. I know. I, that's, that's a little vague. <laughs> <laughs> we should be skeptical. And here are two concerns when we approach things like maybe should I buy that new piece of tech or not. Uh, the first concern... Technology can be idolatrous. Technology can be idolatrous. Here I'm defining an idol as anything that we love more than God. It's probably not, uh, you probably aren't at home with a shrine for your phone, worshiping your phone. But if you go to settings and battery, you can see how much time you spend on your phone any given day. And I would, uh, that could be scary for some of us. I did it yesterday. I spent 1.8 hours on my phone yesterday. It's a lot of time. I spend more time with staring at my phone than I I did spending time with with God yesterday. So do we love our phones more than, do we love technology more than than God? And let me give you one other uh, caution here. When you get another retweet or you get another like on that post, or for me, it's a bike ride that gets another kudos. When, when you guys get those um, meaningless uh, technological somethings that, that, that someone else approves of you, are you more excited about that than when you read God's word, when, when God tells us that, that we are a holy people and a royal priesthood, that we are his children? So I'd encourage you to examine your heart. And if you're more excited about a like on Facebook or a kudo on Strava, then it probably says something about technology, but it also says something about your fear of man, that you probably care more about what other people think of you than, than what God thinks of you. And if that's the case, then it's not technology is this horrible thing, but it's technology is fueling and creating the context and the ability for you to, to continue to indulge in sin to feed that fear of man that's, that's already going on in your heart, that we all struggle with. Let me give you one more point, one more thing to think about that will hopefully get us closer to the heart. Uh, the second point is technology can be dehumanizing. Technology can be dehumanizing, and I think maybe the best example of this would be online education. Nowadays, you can get a degree from an institution without ever having visited there, without ever having uh, seen another person face-to-face. Is that inherently a bad thing? I don't think so. But you're missing something there. If you talk to educators, they'll say there's a big difference between an online education and and what you experience in the classroom. This is different than going home and listening to this later, later online. Being in this room with one another is different. And, and how do I know? It's because... Jesus seems to think so. So Christ took on flesh and dwelt among us. That's, that's John 1, 14. Jesus didn't come and uh, he didn't send us a text. He didn't, he was face to face. And the dwelling place of God, the dwelling of God is a significant biblical theme. It's what we're promised in the Old Testament with the tabernacle. And it's what we're looking forward to in, in the new heavens and the new earth when we'll be face to face with God. And when Christ took on flesh, he was face to face with us. He was in the flesh. He took on our weakness. Christ also needed to take on flesh to become like us so that he could be an atoning sacrifice for us. It was was a necessity, but it was also loving. And and, and in his condescension, he humanized us. He, He made us truly human. So... I asked Nick this question. I said, so if Stacy was going to ask you to, like, pick something up from the store, how would, how would she communicate that to you? And, and he was like, probably like a text message. Mm-hmm. Emily and I have a um, – we have a shared uh, note on our iPhones that, like, I can just type something into my phone, and it'll download to hers. And she'll be like, oh, okay, I'm running to the store. I don't even need to speak to her. I can just type it into my phone, and then she'll have it. She'll know what, what we need from the store. That's dehumanizing when instead there could be an opportunity for connection, for relationship, for, for face-to-face that's important. There's something important about that. One other point on technology can be dehumanizing. Um, if any of you have been on social media, uh, some people will say things on social media that they probably wouldn't say to your face. Uh, don't read the comment section of anything is, is what I've learned. Um, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. Just don't read it. Um, There's something about the I'm looking at a screen that makes us feel comfortable to to say things that we wouldn't say to a a real human being. And that's dangerous. That's very dangerous. If when I I worked in a a Christian school, uh, talking about sexting was a, a big deal. We had to have those conversations because, oh, it's just a phone. It's more than that. And we've dehumanized things from communication to, to speaking in a loving way to, to sex. We've, we've turned those things into something that's no longer human. It's distorted. It's, it's not the way that it's supposed to be. So I would caution you against when you're communicating, when you're engaging with technology. Is this removing you from the human component? Is this removing you from that essential contact? So let's jump down to two takeaways, and then I want to give some time, some space for questions. I have two takeaways for you. Uh, this is not on your sheet. Um, I'll give you this one. This is a freebie. Uh, I know Nick, when he taught on pornography, he told you um, that there is no way to lock down an iPhone, a smartphone. There is no way to lock it down so that your child, that your spouse can view something that they shouldn't be. It's impossible. Um, really please believe me on that. Um, if you heard Daniel announce the raising sexually healthy kids, uh, conference in September, please come to that. Uh, that will help you to, to prepare. How can I help my children? How can I help my, my, my spouse? How can I help those around me engage with technology? But there's no way that if you have an iPhone that you can lock that thing down, you can view uh, nonsense on the Yelp app. It's, it, it's a thing I promise. Um, you want to consider that before you get a smartphone, that you're allowing that to be a part of your life. And uh, the majority of time that I interact with people that are struggling with pornography, it's their phone, not their computer, not magazines. It's, it starts the phone. Uh, one other point that's uh, – this is a freebie. Uh, social media. Anytime that someone comes into my office and says, hey, I'm struggling with anxiety or depression – One of the first things I'll ask them is about their social media usage. That that doesn't say anything about their heart. They probably have some fear of man stuff going on. They could have all sorts of things going on if they're struggling with anxiety or depression. But our unbelieving friends, psychologists, have studied social media and have shown that Facebook and Instagram in particular are incredibly harmful. They're incredibly harmful when it comes to people who struggle with anxiety and depression. It makes things significantly worse. That's why we see the, the prevalence of, you know, a social media fast. Even our unbelieving friends, they see that. There, there's, there's merit to that. So if you have struggles with comparing yourselves to others, if you're feeling like, man, I, I, I'm just not getting it done like I need to, I, I've got all this, all this pressure on my shoulders, I would encourage you to take some time off social media. You will not miss it. Well, it's not a promise, but it, it'll be better for you to miss out on whatever is on social media. So let me get to the two points I actually have on your sheets. First, efficiency isn't always loving is the first point that I have there. Efficiency isn't always loving. I've, I've said this to, uh, to married couples in, in a slightly different way that efficiency isn't romantic. Me uh, putting something on the shopping list for Emily or for her putting something on the shopping list for me, that's not romantic. Uh, so, there are times when, when we need to sacrifice efficiency, which that's one of the ways that I, I define technology. It makes life easier, faster, us able to do more, multiply. So, if that's what technology is there for, that's efficient, that's great. But sometimes it, it isn't loving your, your, your spouse well, it isn't loving your friend well, it isn't romantic there. So, if, if technology is a big part of your life, you may want to consider what am I missing? when I use that technology. So let me come back to my, my analogy of the, uh, the pasta people. Our hipster friends will make, um, and there's others too. I mean, there are other people that do this, not just the hipsters. Um, I don't mean to blame them. Um, but there's like a, a movement for, uh, for hand-stretched and, and, and like refrigerated pasta. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, but like, like artisanal pasta, with like different ingredients in it, that they're, um, it's it's better than the box stuff. This artisanal pasta is better, than, and, and that's that's what they're 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 advocating for. Um, so artisanal pasta, or Nick used the example of, like he really said he found this like an artisanal butter that's hand churned. Um, apparently, there are people that they hand churn butter, and they, they charge like five times the price for twenty five bucks for like a thing of butter, um, and they're that's cheap. <laughs> okay, that's cheap. Don't woof on the pasta, man. You're you're talking to the wrong crowd over here. Oh no! I'm trying to get over here. (laughs) I like some homemade pasta. And I like homemade pasta, and I like uh, particularly the Forney's homemade feta. (laughs) Just keep going, keep going, keep going. So I love these things, but here's the thing. Our Unbelieving friends, perhaps, when they make the, the hipster pasta company, um, or the 40s, when they're making their, their cheese, or when Dan is making his homemade pasta at home, which I would love to try sometime. time. Uh, <laughs> when they're doing these things, they're saying, you're missing something. You're missing something from the box pasta. You're missing something from the feta that you're, you're shipping from who knows where. Let me make it in my, in my kitchen. You're missing something, and technology's taking that from you. So here's my point. Efficiency isn't always loving. Efficiency isn't always loving well. And <laughs> what are we losing when we use that technology? If I put something on, on, on the shopping list just on my phone, I'm losing a point of contact with my wife. That's a good thing. Maybe I shouldn't do that, but instead we should go shopping together. Maybe it's as simple as when, when you get home, you and your, your spouse walk to the mailbox together. It, it probably isn't that far. But even something as simple as that, yeah, it would be more efficient to, like, divide and conquer. You go to the mailbox and, and, and you go uh, start dinner. That, that would be certainly more efficient. However, it might be more loving to do that stuff together, to walk together to the mailbox, to come back and, and cook together. So what are you losing when you use technology in that way this, is a question that I would encourage you to ask. What are you losing when your only contact with friends is through Facebook. What are you losing? Does that make sense? Are you guys tracking with me? We lose something. And, And we all recognize that with technology. That's the push to let's go back to the way things were. We're losing something. And can we lose the good thing, or can we lose the bad thing without losing the good thing? I think it's possible. One more point that I want to give you. Say thanks. Say thanks is my last point hallmark of our faith is that we have a relationship with God, the God that we heard about this morning, who judges the living and the dead. We have a real relationship with him. Praise God for that. And I would encourage you, whenever we're talking about anything, how am I engaging with God in the midst of that that struggle? Whether it's uh, the other things that were were on our list for um, the Talking Points class, when you're talking about how do I help refugees? Am I speaking to God about that? Am I asking him for for guidance, for insight, for help? Um, when you're listening to the news, are you praying and saying, God, we need your help? There's hard stuff going on here and God, only you can fix it. Technology cannot, but only you can. So here's my last point is say thanks. That when we are engaging with technology, this isn't something that, uh, Technology didn't just kind of come down from the sky and, oh, oh wow, look at all these things that we, these nice things that we have. Technology is a reflection of the image of God that he created you and I in. So when you're using that computer, that is a reflection of God's glory. It's a reflection of, of the creativity, the uh, flourishing. the It's a reflection of God. It might be no more clear than when you have a family member in the hospital someone's sick and they don't know what's going on. A thousand years ago, they might have died. But by God's grace today, we have technology to help heal that person. And that isn't, wow, doctor, thank you so much. I mean, sure, let's thank the doctors. They have an incredibly difficult job. But ultimately, it's God, thank you for the the, the technological advancement for the people who are trained in this way to be able to bring healing. God, you have done this. Ultimately, we trust in God, not in doctors, not in technology, but it is God who has done this. So I would encourage you to make this a regular part of your routine, a regular part of your interaction with technology. Here's, let me give you real concrete. When I ride my bike, I have a little computer on the front that tells me how hard I'm pedaling, how far I'm going, how fast I'm going. It's, it's, um, it's a lot of fun. And uh, it's enjoyable for me. I really, really enjoy getting to track my rides. And I've started to thank God after as my ride is uploading. God, thank you that I can just see where I've been. And, like, I can show Jason Forney, like, this map. And he's like, hey, you rode by my house. and And we can... <laughs> technology is, is a good thing. And, and, and it, it's, God, thank you for this. So when I ride my bike, when I upload my rides, I've started to do this. I've started to make it part of my routine. As so I say, God, thank you for even something as lame as a bike computer. God, thank you. So maybe it's, it's John going to work and he says, God, thank you for technology because it helps me to pay the bills. God, you have given me a way to provide in a way that I, I, I like my job. Thank you for that. I would encourage you to find one thing, one use of technology that you regularly use, and thank God for that. Perhaps it's, uh, maybe it's reading an article from the Gospel Coalition that's encouraging and helpful and insightful. God, thank you for, for this phone, for the resources that you have put in my hands to be able to love you more. God, we thank you for that. What questions do we have, particularly on the engagement with the use of technology? How can we do this well? Yeah, I was thinking on the efficiency line. Yeah. You're obviously not advocating that we go back and do everything as slow as possible in order Correct. to have quality time. But some of the time when we're efficient, you know, we can mow our grass twice as fast as we used to be. And we can cook a meal twice as fast. Well, we can use that for our neighbor. You know, we can mow our grass our and totally. our neighbor's grass. We can make two meals the time it takes to make one, you know. Yep. And just try to think like that. So that not efficiency just to be efficient, but efficiency in service, Yeah. You know. How can efficiency help us to do good things while losing the bad? Man, I'd love to serve my neighbor in that way. I never would have been able to do it when we were cutting the grass with like those manual push things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what your take is on video games and how those play into it, because uh, it seems like there's like there's two main camps. I mean, one camp says it's a highly creative art form that increases hand-eye coordination and can build communities and you know, it increases your critical thinking capacity, and then there's the other camps. It's usually, yeah. like, these camps, mothers and fathers, that say it literally destroys your brain cells, and it leads you to, uh, like, a lazy lifestyle, and it's highly addictive. And it seems like there's truth on both sides. So Absolutely. How does, like, what's your take on that? Or how does that, uh, like, pair with everything else here? Yeah. So let me tag social media onto that too, because I think that might be a similar response that when we're looking at video games or social media, there are good things and there are bad things inherently that come with, with that medium. So, uh, are there inherent dangers to video games? Absolutely. Are there inherent dangers to social media? Absolutely. But are there good things that happen there too? For sure. I mean, there are studies that have shown that, um, puzzle, puzzle type games, they help with that critical thinking. Uh, there were studies that show the, um, the, the movement of, of like hands on a video game will help with, um, fine motor skills. Um, and even, even, I mean, I don't know what kind of video games we're talking about now, but, um, I have a friend who his, his son is, um, is, is on the, the autism spectrum and he, uh, he finds Minecraft, a game that is like, like super basic. He finds it to be helpful for him and and it's helpful as he communicates with with his parents and it's a way that he connects with other other kids that that he really struggles there so there there are good things there so broad like a broad statement would be how can we use these things responsibly focusing on the good while mitigating the bad so social media you know there's going to be it's going to be a challenge to be on social media um You're going to see things that you probably don't want to see. You're going to compare yourself to others. You're going to be uh, connected to everyone all the time. Those are negatives that you just can't avoid. So maybe you shouldn't be on social media two hours a day. I would say probably the same thing about video games is that if you're going to play uh, a game, I would say – why are you playing it? I want to ask some of those questions. But then how do you mitigate the bad while, while focusing on those, those good things and um, emphasizing them? So if it's, um, oh, well, community and critical thinking and, uh, well, then maybe you should only be playing with friends and you should be playing only games that are particularly um, engaging, like Mega Math Blaster when I was a youngster. Um, anyone? <laughs> yeah. uh, Mega Math Blaster was awesome. So I-, I think there is a way to to, to be in a middle ground there. Um, there have been other studies that have shown that, that video games, violence, how do we handle that? Um, recent, most recently, um, where studies have shown that video games don't contribute to more violent desires and tendencies. Um, so the, the science keeps going back and forth on that. Um, Make, 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 make that a yellow light that, you know, if you're playing games where you're, like, shooting people. If you're playing Grand Theft Auto, I, I, I can't think of anything redeeming there. Um, so you might want to stop. Um, is that helpful? Yeah. yeah it is. Any rebuttal there? I took, like, a middle position, so it's really hard to, like, argue against that. But um, any, any additional uh, uh, contours anyone wants to add? Yeah, Jim. I, I think uh, the, the word balance is always... In our thought process, yeah. and what's been helpful to me to always keep in my thinking that for every benefit there is a cost. Yep. There's no free lunch. So if you're doing one thing, you can't be doing another. So yep. there's always a cost to yep. to calling your wife instead of texting her, or totally. you know, doing some other thing. So yes, it takes more time, and mm-hmm. obviously we can't go to the extreme where it would be that getting in the way of actually getting your job done, for example. Right. But uh, um, I find it's helpful to remember that it's never black and white. Correct. And that's why it's, it's really tough to teach a class like this where there are a bunch of people here that it's really hard to hear some hard and fast rules about your use of technology. Um, I recommend the Andy Crouch book. He does a little bit more of that. Um, but it's really hard to do that in this context where we have radically varying demographics where we have different, why am I using that technology? We've got people who work with technology each and every day. It's really, really hard to say what is the cost and then is that cost worth it? Um, So you can't do that on a one to 70 scale. That's like a, a, let me wrestle with God through this. And that's another where we should be asking God for help. God help me to use technology well on a daily basis so that I'm glorifying you and loving my neighbor. So it, that, that's not as oh, okay. That's really concrete. I'm just going to go. It, it's not one of those concrete applications, but that's that's biblical walking by faith. That's what I would encourage you guys to continue to 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 try to strive for. In the um, for those of you who are in my understanding the heart class, um, there's a connection between our actions and what's going on in our hearts. And asking that question is is inherently part of the discipleship counseling process. If if this is what I'm doing, if I'm spending five hours a day on, on Facebook, what does that say about your heart? That question is essential. Let me pray for us.